and welcome to episode number 107 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Brett Colson, where we run down all the big bets, all the big news, all the big happenings in this crazy gaming industry. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google is where you can find us at the Lions US, at PlayPicks US on the Twitter machine. Brett, we're going to talk a little bit of golf. We're going to talk uh, awesome interview here about the Belmont with TVG's Mike Joyce. We'll end things kind of giving our opinion on what's going on in all of the major sports out there. But I think we'll spend a good bit of time talking about Major League Baseball and what this really means for us as sports bettors moving forward and all of that as well. But let's kick things off here. Golf was back. PGA was back. And you and I had a nice little you know, exchange over Thursday and Friday just privately where we were talking about, you know, Maybe this doesn't work for football. Maybe this doesn't work for basketball. I think baseball is a little bit different. But as far as golf goes, I don't feel like the product missed out all that much by not having fans out there. Yeah, when someone drains a big putt from a long way away and there was a hole in one on Thursday and all that, like, yeah, you didn't get the big roars and and all that that you normally get. But Outside of just like those big, big moments, you got to think, I mean, those are kind of few and far between. So most of the time it's guys burning edges of cups and missing putts and things and whatever. And so it's not really those big roars as it is anyway. And I think you kind of felt the same way that golf, I think, custom made to be able to be played without fans out there. Yeah, and it created some really funny moments too. There were there were guys who made who sunk like long like iron shots who didn't know they made it. So like they're asking their caddy for the putter, <laughs> expecting to like show up and make a putt, and then they arrive and the the ball's already in the cup. Because how else would they know that? There's nobody to see it go in the cup. So that was pretty funny. Yeah, like you, I thought it was a great. I thought it was more enjoyable and kind of like the the UFC. We talked about that before too. I love that there weren't fans because you could hear exchanges. On the course, the mics picked up things that you would never normally hear uh, as far as maybe the golfers talking to their caddy or just golfers, just their their regular, like how they talk to themselves during the tournament. A lot of that from Jordan Spieth this week, too. So I, I thought that part of it was more, enjoy, more enjoyable than we usually get on the PJ Tour. Yeah, and a couple of the other things I think that we were kind of spitballing back and forth, and there's no empirical evidence uh, about this at all. But I mean, listen, we were saying it's almost a little bit more of a pure version of golf as well. I mean, you're not having tee shots ricochet off of fans. You're not having to hit off of weird lies because it's where everybody walks and things are trampled down, things like that and and whatever. And then you brought up that, hey, you're not getting the jackass yell Baba Booey in someone's backswing or take a picture or whatever and things. And so, you know, from that aspect as well, I think it was a little bit, more enhanced and you you know you don't have a lot of these star golfers having to deal with you know every single hole people screaming their names sign this do this do whatever high five me let me touch you on the arm just so i can say i touched you know whoever walking by me and stuff and so i i think the game itself even is just a little bit more more pure to me yeah and betters look at that and they see less variance a more predictive way to to look at each event because you don't have all that side stuff that's going to impact you know where the ball ends up or you know who's who's yelling during your backswing that you don't have to worry about that kind of stuff so yeah i enjoyed that part of it too for sure i i I could i could get used to this yeah no doubt about it as you guys know daniel berger wins on the first playoff hole over colin morikawa morikawa was um 
you know, really unlucky there. Last couple of holes, just just a couple of, of putts that just lipped right out. That you know, I mean, he was right there to win that thing. I, I was definitely rooting for him as I had a ticket on Colin Morikawa. So uh, if it wasn't going to be Justin Rose, I certainly needed it to be Morikawa. It ended up being neither one of them. Uh, Berger, you could get as high as uh, you know sixty, seventy to one heading into that tournament. And, you know, Brett, this is something I think you and I learned. And this is why, you know, if you checked our YouTube page, I didn't want to do a video last week on this tournament because I don't want to put out information that I don't feel confident in. And I'm not going to do that to you guys out there. And I'm not going to like put out information just for the sake of putting out information. I was not sure, you know, if these guys that were playing good heading into the break, it was going to carry over or if maybe everyone needed a reset or were people going to look rusty or whatever it might be. And, you know, by and large, yeah, there were some, some big names that missed the cut, but you know, by and large that Saturday and Sunday leaderboard was just filled with top players in the world, just filled with top golfers. And one of those golfers in Daniel Berger that was actually playing some of the best golf before we went on the hiatus. And so I think we learned a pretty good amount just in that first tournament right there. Now I'm not saying that's going to directly correlate to what's going on at the RBC this week. And we'll talk about that here in just a second, but I do think we learned something. Yeah. And Berger, one of the rising stars on tour a few years back, he came up with Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas and in and, and that group, but hasn't had the same level of, of success really until this year. Like you said, he's been on a tear 10 events, four top tens. Now he's got a W and he outplayed some of the best in the world on Sunday in front of a huge, like on a huge stage. A lot of people watching, uh, including Rory who imploded in the final round. Like we've seen Rory do that before. It's rare, but it, it does happen even to the best. It's, it's a fickle game, this golf. And we saw that, like you said, with, with Shoffley lipping out that three foot, a uh, three footer to tie and Morikawa missing the short putts. Um, but, I think we can all agree everyone was a winner here. I think the event played out without any problems and uh, really enjoyable first weekend back. Yeah, no, definitely. And, you know, you were guys, again, the one thing we talked about with golf and we talked about this with the with the DFS aspect, you get that four days of sweat. But, you know, if you want to, you can hop in. There are bets available for second round, third round and even the final round and things like that. So just be sure that you know, if you took one of these longer shots and he's dead after day one, that doesn't mean that your your betting weekend has to be completely over. Uh, I was able to jump back in on Morikawa. I thought that was a pretty good number for him to be able to to win that thing heading in there. The way that he was playing with his irons, he was right there. Just didn't quite get home, but it was uh, I still liked that bet on Morikawa, which kind of leads us in here, Brett, to to this week at the RBC you're looking, no shock, it's going to be Rory at the top here. I mean, consistently can, you know, playing good golf. You did mention he, Sunday wasn't the best for him, but still, he was right there in the mix on Sunday. 12-1 to 1 to win the thing outright, 3-1 to 1 as a top five, and a only plus 163 to finish in the top 10 in this tournament, followed by Bryson DeChambeau at 14-1, to 1, Justin Thomas at 16-1, to 1, Rahm. At 18 to 1, John Rahm, one of the very popular plays, not only in DFS, but in, from a betting standpoint this past week, did not make the cut. Uh, Xander Shoffley, 20 to 1. Morikawa, after his good showing, 28 to 1. Hideki Matsuyama is coming back here at 30 to 1. Patrick Reed, 30 to 1. And then Justin Rose and Webb Simpson, also at 30 to 1. Berger, who won last week at 35 to 1. When I take a look at this, uh, Brad, I mean, one of the things that we know, a super popular, not only DFS play, but bet as well was Webb Simpson. 
He was another one of the guys who was playing one of the, you know, was in the best form of all the guys on tour as we headed into the break there. Did miss the cut this past week. You're able to get him at 30 to one to win this thing at six to one to finish in the top five, three and a half to one to get a top 10. I kind of like a bounce back performance here from Webb Simpson. I'm in. I'm with you. 100%. I think he's, isn't he, he's from South Carolina too. He's from like, he's from this area. This is a perfect spot for, for Webb Simpson to bounce back this week. Yeah. I, and I, you know, I don't know. People have gotten more savvy and, and, you know, you're able to play a lot more DFS than I am these days. People have gotten more savvy. Like in two years ago, this would have been the unbelievably yeah. awesome opportunity to land on Webb Simpson this week. But now I think people kind of understand that there's a lot of variance in golf and, you know, look, sometimes you just go out there and you play two poor rounds. It's not that big of a deal. Do you expect Webb Simpson will still be like kind of top of mind with people this week? Or do you think that, that, you know, they'll look and see that miscut last week and you'll actually have people look elsewhere? I still, I still think there are a lot of people who will not go back to him this week, just how he burned them last week. I, I, th- I certainly think there are a lot more sharper people out there who understand the variance in golf and identify spots like this where a guy um, who missed a cut but is still clearly a favorite, and he gets the price reduction too. So, I mean, there's just so many reasons to like a Webb Simpson this week. Um, but, yeah, I, I, th- I, th- I, think he's a, I think he's a great spot, and you're going to get him at lower ownership than he was last week. Yeah, one of the things that I, especially from a DFS standpoint, as we try to take into account is, you know, we want to have those, we talked about trying to have those unique lineups last week, and we gave you our thoughts on how you might go about that. I think one of the things that we found out this past week as well, Brett, with just the ownership levels in a lot of these, uh, you know, a lot of the lineups out there is what we saw is there is actually we can actually still predict kind of the popular players here, either based off name value or just where the DraftKings has priced these players. I thought that maybe it wouldn't be as concentrated this past week. People coming back off of this uh, big layoff here and all that. But we saw it was either some of the big names or some of the people who were just getting the buzz in the industry and they were at massive massive ownership. So I think that that is something to to really consider as you head into the RBC here and start to make lineups as well is if you think a guy has a chance to be highly owned, he probably will be. Yeah. And there are a lot of guys out there who are just looking at game logs, even going back three months ago, like these guys haven't played in tour in three months, but going like a guy like Harris English, who was super popular last week because he'd been playing well this year. And what right. do you do? He missed the cut. So yeah, I, I would, I, I try to identify guys who are getting a lot of buzz in the industry. And if I, unless I, I see reason to, to build them into my like core group players, it's just, it has to be a full fade because there's, there's just no reason to, to expose yourself to that kind of ownership. I agree with you, you know, a hundred percent here. One of the other things to do is take a look at these matchups over on DraftKings. There are some out there that I actually think are, are pretty juicy. You know, I am pretty into, you know, taking Xander over Stuart Sink and Teddy Potter. Uh, you got to lay 143 on Xander. But I mean, if you're talking about that threesome, Brett, of who's going to have the best round one score, and I understand it's you know a lot of variance in just one round of golf, but uh, I'm going to take Xander pretty much every single time over Stuart Sink and Ted Potter, especially if I only lay in 143 on that. How is that real? I know. 
I know. And that just jumped off the page to me as one huh. that I, I truly really, really like. And, and, you know, sure. A lot of variants there. I get it because we are talking about it's only uh it only round one here, but when you take a look at that, really, really, really do like that. And if you look at some of these tournament groupings as well, um, I think that you can take a look at some of these and, and find some some pretty decent value when you dig into these tournament groupings. Typically going to be five players that are on there. And, um, you know, there are some that you can pick out that you really, really like. One of the ones for me, I'm going to go ahead and, and, like I said, ride this. Webb Simpson bounce back here. He's in a group with with some really good players, but uh, I think Webb bounces back here plus three thirty four to have a better tournament than Patrick Reed, Justin Rose, Sung J M, and Colin Morikawa. So going to go ahead and and, and die on that hill uh, right there. But I uh, really do like that one. And Brad, I mean these are these are some of these bets here that they aren't the outright bets, so you're not going to be laying in the fifties and sixties and seventies to one, but still bets that you can go in and, and you can make some money on. Yeah, and if you, like, if you liked Webb last week, I think you have to bounce back, back right back this week because it's pretty interesting because this the course fit here is very similar to Colonial from last week. In fact, according to Data Golf, Colonial is the most comparable course to Harbortown <laughs> on the entire tour. So it's kind of an extension of last week. So, you know, players will once again have to hit fairways, put it close to the pin. Dis- distance does not really come into play here. Um, it's a par 71, but it's only 7,100 yards. So right. Ball strikers and guys who are good around the green have an advantage. The bombers won't be able to run away with this thing. I will say Rory is a bomber, but the guy is good at everything. everything. And if you yeah. if you liked him last week, he was between seven to one and nine to one to win last week. He's at twelve to one now. So again, if you liked him last week, but you didn't like the price, maybe this is the week you buy back on Rory after that uh, the mess he had on Sunday. He definitely, and this is not recency bias, um, but Daniel Berger minus one twenty over Jordan Spieth. Uh, Jordan Spieth had a had a really good tournament at a course that he always plays really well at, uh, right there where he lives and everything. Brett, but um, Jordan Spieth was not in the best form; has not been in the best form in quite some time. So, give me Berger if I only got to lay one twenty over Jordan Spieth head to head. I'll tell you, Jordan is so fun to watch putt, though. That kid is unbelievable. <laughs> it's the only reason he was in it on Sunday. It is. It is. It is. Uh, but I don't think that uh, I don't think that it holds up for four rounds no, for him. So give me so. give me burger over him as well in that one. Guys, as you know, we have the Belmont coming up. And with that, we wanted to give you guys some really awesome insight into ever into all things Belmont, especially over there at TVG. So we were be able to talk to Mike Joyce of TVG. So let's take you over to Mike. Guys, in this podcasting world, every now and then there are some technical difficulties. We ran into some here with uh, Mike Joyce from TVG. If we were able to get him back on the horn, we will have a written article over at the lines. Brett, sometimes technology, listen, we have a great new program that we love using here for the podcast. We think the sound is better. It's so much easier to use. Sometimes people aren't able to use that and we have to go back to our old ways and those old ways are pieces of garbage. Yeah, there's a reason we left the old ways <laughs> and tried this new awesome thing. And unfortunately, yeah, you have to have a certain browser, I guess, still to use what we're using and it didn't, it didn't work out today, unfortunately. But we'll still try to get Mike for uh for an article and some insight leading up to the Belmont stakes 
guys, we wanted to kind of give you an update here of where we sit with all of the major sports, because look, that is what we're waiting on. That is what we are looking at whenever we are trying to get some betting going. It seems like some pretty solid plans in place for the NBA. We do know that those odds still sticking from the last time, really, since we got going here. The Clippers, a little bit of a fade here. Uh, Lakers at plus 250, Bucks at plus 250, Clippers at 333 now. They were at 300 last time we potted here. Past that, it gets into some uh, way bigger numbers. And, you know, Rockets at 13, Celtics at 20, Raptors at 22, Nuggets at 25, 76ers at 28. And so, you know, one of the things we were talking about, Brad, is is we we do believe that Lakers, Bucks, and Clippers are definitely the cream of the crop, that they are definitely the teams that, you know, if someone came to us and said, hey, you have to pick who's going to win the NBA championship, it would probably be one of those three teams. That being said, when you're only getting two and a half to one on two of the teams and then, you know, 333 on one of the others, given the weird circumstances here and given kind of the unknown of what's going to happen when they're playing under quarantine in the bubble over there in Orlando, I'm not betting a two and a half to one, even though I still think the Lakers and Bucks and Clippers are the the, the teams to beat. I would be looking and just praying for some sort of variance and betting one of these longer odds guys. Yeah, we need chaos. Who's who's the Raptors from last year? Right. They were they were below they were they were right around like eighteen to one. I feel like before the playoffs started, could it be the Nets? No, I mean that is the ultimate long shot. Three hundred to one. You <laughs> would not. You would not only need. Durant and Kyrie to come back you would need I mean who are some old Nets legends that you would need to come back for that what would those but what would those odds be if we knew for sure that both of them were coming back because it would not be 300 to 1 I know but what what Durant's not going to be anywhere near 100% right if he's 100% then yeah then we can start talking about them being I guess around the same odds as the Raptors and Sixers that's what I'm saying. So uh, the only reason I bring them up is sitting at 300 to one. Now, whether you think they have a snowball's chance in hell or not, it, the odds are probably only going to drop substantially. Should even either player announce that they're definitely coming back. Right. I mean, like, should there be like, there's speculation going on and there's things being thrown out, but we don't know one way or the other. Now, if something comes in and says that definitely either Kyrie or Kevin Durant is coming back. And if both of them were to definitely come back, that 300, like you said, drops to 40, 30, something like that, probably pretty quickly because people are going to be laying some wood on 300 to one. Like that odds oh, yeah. are, is going to fall rapidly. So they're the seven seed right now. They're in pretty good shape. Even if, I mean, even if those two don't come back, they're in good shape to make the playoffs. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> nah, it's something nah. to think about if you wanted one of the super long shots. For me, I think a team that I do believe could could kind of just get on a roll, get things going, if they play up to their potential, Nuggets at 25 to 1, I think would be the team that I will eventually probably end up taking a flyer on. I do not think they're the best team out there. I do not think they're even one of the top, the the four or five best teams. I do think though in a short time span if they play hot and run hot, 
I do think that they have what it takes to maybe pull a couple of upsets. But see, they'd they'd have to get through the probably the Clippers and the Lakers to do that. Whereas if you go over to the East, the team only has to get through the well. Then they'd have to get through either the Clippers or the Lakers in the, in the West. Yeah, man, it's 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 going to be tough for one of these long shots to get through. I guess if I if I had to, maybe the. The Jazz were a team I really liked coming into the year, and their their odds have fallen all the way to thirty three to one. They weren't playing well uh, at all in the second half of the season, but I could see, I could see them pulling it together. A team that plays really good defense. We have the NFL plans that are out there. College football, I think, Brad. I think you'd probably agree. Maybe still up in the air. I mean, there there are certainly some positive signs that are happening, uh, certainly amongst the Power Five conferences. But one of the things we've definitely seen is uh, a little bit of an uptick in some of these key states, Texas, Florida, for example, both of those states with a ton of new COVID cases and wondering, you know, if college football gets going actually on time, but it does seem like the NFL has a plan in place to kind of get things going here. And those odds are still floating out there. If you did want to get involved, we know that week one lines are up pretty much everywhere. There are entire season odds and game of the year odds out at several of the sports book over there. There's even some of these off season player bets that are still hovering, you know, Brad, I mean, who is going to be the week one starting quarterback for the Chicago bears, who is going to be the week one starting quarterback for the chargers, who is going to be the week one starting quarterback for the dolphins. Now, all of these seem like slam dunk uh, slam dunks to me, but you know, look, I mean, Fitzpatrick at minus two seventy eight. if you got the bankroll, I'd go for it. Taylor at minus 335 for the Chargers. If you got the bankroll, I say go for it. I think the interesting one is the Bears here because you are getting two to one on Trubisky. We've seen some of the reports coming out that Trubisky's been working with the wide receivers and throwing with those guys and doing different things. Like, I understand you brought in Nick Foles because you want Nick Foles to start. But I think of any of these three bets that you can make at DraftKings right now, Trubisky getting the start is far, far, far more likely than Herbert or Tua Tua getting the start for the Chargers or the Dolphins. I'm with you, and you also have to factor in that Foles is entering a new system, a new offense that he has to learn, and how much time is he going to have to do that? So I could see Trubisky starting the season uh, as the starter. He's certainly more likely than, like you said, some of these other guys, especially, look, these rookies aren't going to start week one. It's just, no. it's just it's not going to happen unless Fitzpatrick. It's going to be an abbreviated training camp. It's going to be abbreviated. Everything like you're not going to run your prize possession out there and take the chance on him getting hurt. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, and if Taylor, if Taylor gets hurt, won't they just sign someone else? I'm not, I mean, right. I, I can't. I just I can't imagine Herbert come. I mean, I guess they could they could start him, but I just don't see it happening. I, you would think that that's like the open invitation at that point for like a Cam Newton, right? Yeah, like exactly. like, like you yeah. know to to kind of get signed and and enter the league, which is a bet that is available over at DraftKings as well. That is the lone one still hanging out there in the quarterback next team. Is where will Cam Newton end up? A very short odd still on the Patriots here, Brett, at three to one for him to end up. With the Patriots, the Cardinals, which I think is very odd at eight to one, the Steelers, which is something you and I kind of pushed a couple of months ago, Steelers sitting at eight to one, Titans eight to one, Redskins eight to one. Um, but the Patriots still seem to be the the team that people think where Cam Newton is going to end up. I just don't, I don't know, man. I just don't see it. It seems to me like the Patriots have kind of uh, embraced, I'm not going to say tanking, 
That's not, uh, I don't think that that organization is really built to tank, but I think they are certainly embraced to kind of get a higher draft pick this year. I I don't know if I'm ready to say that yet. I can't imagine Belichick buying into that, but it does seem like they're, they're set on Stidham and and they brought Hoyer back, right? Like I, please. I mean, I, I hope that's what it ends up being. Don't sign Cam Newton and then just rip this division apart again. Don't do that to me. <laughs> like, what are the Steelers doing? It's, it's got to be it's got to be a cap issue with the Steelers, right? Why they haven't gone out and, and gotten some this is insane to me assistance for forty nine year old Ben Roethlisberger. Like, what are they doing? I mean, th- th- it's insane to me. I mean, I don't know if they're just holding out to see what Ben has in the tank before they make a move or something. Like, I I don't know, but yeah, that's the one that really just kind of stands out to me. Like, really, guys, like, what is what's going on here? I I cannot wrap my brain around it in the least bit. Um, so pretty interesting that those are sitting out there. I guess my best guess here, Brett, is is Cam just holds out and figures out which team gets the worst gets gets the injury first, and then yeah. he goes to that team. So if that's if that's what you think, then maybe fire some of these long shots. Although I right. will say, I, I this is probably not a market I would consider. I would imagine. Me, me neither. Uh, I think I think it's just way too volatile because yeah. there's no there's no way to connect the dot to what team is going to have their starter go down. Right. So like it's like it, so that's why I don't think there's a very educated bet to be made here um, other than maybe a team to avoid, right? Like maybe there's, maybe there's a couple of teams that have really solid backups that you would just avoid. But other than that, I don't think there's any team that you can feel comfortable betting here because I really do believe it's, Hey, what training camp injury is going to benefit Cam Newton? And that's where he's going to sign. The Cowboys signed Andy Dalton, right? That happened. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say that that would be such a Cowboys thing to do it would be sign Cam Newton. <laughs> yeah, that's that's like out of the question, I think, as, as yeah. well. So it's just but they uh, are on the board here. Yeah, pretty interesting when it comes to to all that. And then and now we head to to Major League Baseball. And guys, we wish we had some better news to give to you here. We wish we had we were sitting here talking about when things were going to get cranked up and, and what bets that we were looking at and starting to think about a spring training. But instead, it looks like that this thing has really, really come to a grinding halt here. and. You know, Brett, you and I have, have, have talked about this, that this is um, we've kind of gotten to the point now to where I'm not going to say I think it's a real possibility that there's no season. But I do think there's one of these like super abbreviated seasons just shoved down the throats of the players and we get a poor product. We get a horrible labor dispute next year. We get all kinds of craziness that is going to be going on with all of this. And we're talking about the distant number three sport in the U S these days, the NFL and the NBA are so far ahead of major league baseball. And if they decide to continue on with this route, that again, as we are putting this together on a Tuesday afternoon still seems to be how they are leaning towards this. I think this could be, I think this could be detrimental to this game. Yeah, this is messy. So what this feels like now is the league stalling and forcing the players into a shortened season and less pay during the regular season. Uh, there, there are reports that some owners might not even want to have a season for financial purposes. They, they feel like this will be a losing endeavor. And they might be right. Meanwhile, players are refusing to take a cut in per-game pay, and the league is afraid that they're going to file a grievance if this doesn't get sorted out. So we went from the commissioner of the league saying less than a week ago 
that there was a 100% chance of being a season to now a doom scenario that actually seems more likely than not to happen because we're running out of time. Like the, we're, we're less than a month away from the, the line of where they would have to get a season yeah. started. Yeah. And look, I know the owners are taking the brunt of this from the, the media out there and rightfully so. I mean, look, they're the ones that are the billionaires with the B and, and all that or whatever, but you know, Brett, it, they didn't become billionaires by giving away money and losing money. Right. Exactly. And so I also get it from their standpoint as well. And like, I typically always side on the player with the players when it comes to these negotiations and things like that. But the problem is, is there hasn't been any leeway given on the player side either. Cause as you mentioned, they want 100% of pay and they haven't even come back with something like 95%, right? Like even like showing any sort of, any sort of willingness at all to take even the smallest type of pay cut when it comes to this. And, you know, uh, I, I do believe that this is the majority on the owners, but I don't think that you can give the players in this just a complete pass because they, again, even if it was like something tongue in cheek, like, you know what, we'll take 96% then of pay. You're saving 4% or whatever, like something to show, like some sort of olive branch, some sort of goodwill, but they don't seem willing to do that at all. They are still so far apart. And yeah, the, the only way you realistically get a season in is if you start in the middle of July at the latest. And here's, here's the frustrating thing. Like, I'm not going anywhere. Like, baseball is my favorite sport. This situation sucks for everyone, and I'm pissed. But I'd be lying if I said I wouldn't be right back in line as soon as they came to a resolution. But the sport, like you said, is losing fans at a rapid pace because the generation behind us right. doesn't care and they don't there's, and that's the uh, thing. there's a lot of reasons yeah i mean that's the thing is like it, you and i grew up and and baseball was still had this like aura around it right and like we did grow up through the you know the mcguire and sosa era and watching barry bonds and all the different things like that i mean like we did grow up through all that man right now the most popular player in the game plays on a team that nobody cares. I mean, the best player I should say in the game plays on a team that nobody cares about Mike Trout, like nobody even watches because the angels play out on the West coast. And on top of that, they're the most least sexy team basically in all of major league baseball. And there is no sort of reverence whatsoever for baseball in that generation behind you and I. And, and that's why the NBA has seen this meteoric rise because those guys out there showing personality. It's a fan friendly league. They have embraced like taking to the fans and all of that. They've used social media extremely well with their highlights and the way that they allow these guys to show personality and all of that. We talk about Adam Silver as far as the commissioners go. They he has been by far the best commissioner of any of these major sports leagues out there. I mean, and so you look at baseball who continues to slip and slip and slip. And then if they have a, a 50 game season here, which is followed by a labor dispute, Brett again. Yeah. You and I'll come back, but there are going to be a lot of people that do not. Yeah. And especially now we're like, we're in the middle of a pandemic. There are people all over the world starving for sports. This could be catastrophic to this league long-term. If, if they don't figure this out, every other league is getting this done. What's going on with baseball. Exactly. Every other league, what's wrong with you guys out there now, you know, there are odds that you guys can still bet if you're, if you're into that, I, for me, 
Brett, I mean, you know, I know this is a, a show where we typically try to like like to give people picks and our thoughts on things or whatever. I don't want to I don't want to put any money down here on on baseball right now. And especially when you take a look at, you know, the one thing that we always have done when we handicap baseball is we understand that eventually more times than not, the the better teams rise to the top because you play so many games that all of the, the weird variants in baseball, the bloops that are hits and then the line drives that are not uh, even out over the course of 162 games. And so the, the better teams do end up winning more games and get to the top there. But, you know, if you're talking a 50 game season and or or less, I mean, who knows? We don't know. I mean, you know, we're we're just speculating. That's kind of the number that's been thrown out there. But when you're talking about that, I mean, for me, I'll just save it. I'll watch the games. I, I would just rather bet the playoffs and and try and, you know, take my chances there as opposed to betting some futures right now in this completely unknown scenario. I see. I I, I want to take advantage of the unknown scenario a little bit. I have a couple of futures on my account just because I think there are opportunities with a shortened season for teams to get hot and maybe enough talent to upset a Dodgers or a Yankees or an Astros. So, I mean, I have a couple in my account. I'm with you, though, for the most part. I guess just wait and see what happens here. It's also, I just, I, yeah. Yeah, I had a couple in the, I have a couple in the account too, but we made those a while ago when we thought like, okay, well maybe they'll play a hundred games or maybe they'll play 80 games, you know, like, and and so we took those bets when we were kind of under the assumption that it was going to be that type of scenario. Now that we're getting into this whole like 40, 48 game type season and stuff, like, I don't know. I just don't know if I really want a, a part of that because I do believe that you are, I'm not going to say going into it completely blind, but you are certainly uh, guessing as to how it's going to play out because we've never seen anything even close to this. Yeah. I did get a couple more into my account last week, but. I like it. I, understand. I like it. Yes. I like who, Who'd you throw in there? Go ahead and let the people know. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays. I think I mentioned them last week or okay. two weeks ago. I, I liked them already. I'd like them even more now that there is uh, a lot unknown about pitching where can we're win be. games, and we like their pitching. Yeah, we love their pitching. Yeah, so pitching can win games in a shortened season if you only have to go with a two or three man rotation, right? Just how how I mean, angry is how? Yeah, that's the other thing. How angry is like, Blake Snell though? Is he gonna is he gonna try like <laughs> this guy? <laughs> I know, God, keep this guy off social media. Keep, keep the cameras out of his face. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Rays eighteen to one at DraftKings right now. If you want to get them uh, for World Series winner over on the league side, you can get them to win the AL at eight to one. They are only behind the Yankees and Astros, tied with the Twins there. At eight to one uh, guys, we're going to have tons of PGA coverage over at the lines and play picks. So be sure and take a look over there. Probably going to sit out one more week on the video side of things for golf to so I can make sure that I fully get dialed in of how everything is, is working out here, but plan to be back in the saddle and getting all that stuff up going. Um, once I have a firmer grip on, uh, on everything here, uh, Brett, I, well, you know, listen, we're open book here on the, on the podcast. So I had, Nearly, uh, nearly fifteen hundred dollars in bets on the tournament this past week to to come up with the uh, you know a happy meal as, as a win. So if that lets anyone know as to kind of how I, I didn't necessarily have things figured out, I mean I didn't lose my ass or anything, but um, yeah, tons and tons of, of of action out there to come away with a with a value meal as a, as a win. So I'm still going to dig in a little bit further. I'm going to see if there's any more. 
things that I can pick up here and if there's anything that maybe I missed out on this past week before I uh, kind of put my my name on the line there with some picks. Yeah, I got slaughtered last week too, but I'm jumping right back in this week. It's just too much fun, man. I'm so excited about golf being back. I don't care if I don't care how much I lose. No, I listen. Hey, I'm with you. There's there's a uh, there's for sure. And I, the only other the only other bet I will throw out there for the RBC, which I think is kind of you know, I think it's a little crazy. We do all agree. Roy McIlroy is the best golfer and the most consistent golfer in the world and has been over the last couple of seasons. Uh, leader after round one, Brett, 20 to one on Roy McIlroy. So um, leader after round one, if you don't think Rory can go out there and go low on any given day, which by the way, he did in round two last week. It just happened to be after round two. It wasn't round one, but I mean, he could very well do it in round one this week. You're getting him at 20 to one. Uh, really do like going ahead and throwing a, a couple bucks on Rory to lead after round one. He's, he's 26 to one at FanDuel. And there you have it. Boom. Better odds. Shop around. Shop, Shop around, around, fellas. Shop around. That's at FanDuel. That's a, I was quoting the DraftKings price right there. So uh, be sure and shop around there. But yeah, I mean, Rory can go low every single time he tees it up. And so to get those type of odds on him to just have one, one good round. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm in on that. Also, bet, also bet Harold Varner because that guy it goes low in the first round every single week. I don't know. What does that guy eat for breakfast on Thursdays? <laughs> That's what I want to know. It, it, he, he, he really does, though. He's always on that leaderboard, right? Yeah. Like uh, after the first day. I know. He's usually, he there. Com- usually implodes over the weekend. He actually yeah. stuck around for a while on, uh, on Saturday and kind of did Harold Varner things on Sunday. But still, pretty impressive from Harold. Yeah, no doubt about that. So uh, some of those other bets, again, that you can look to make that are outside of just the the outrights, which, you know, we we try to steer you, we try to steer you away from sometimes because, you know, taking a top five or a top 10 or even a top 20 bet is uh, is the way you can grind out profits in in all this. I lost every single outright, obviously, this past week. But since I took a bunch of top 20s and, and top 10s and things like that and head to heads, I was able to, you know, grind out a, a very, very small profit so um think about that whenever you're making bets for the rbc this week head over to the lines head over to play picks and be sure and check out our articles over there as well at the lines us at play picks us over on twitter if you want to follow me and brett at matt brown m2 at brett colson is where you can find us apple spotify stitcher and google we do appreciate the the five star reviews we'll take a four but we really want five and uh you know any any of the uh any of the things you want to write about us and let people know that this is something you enjoy we appreciate that as well for brett i'm matt talk to you guys next week